Welcome to the Something Forum by Echo and Co, a podcast where we talk about digital and organizational transformation, innovation, and nonprofits, and hope you learn something along the way. For this series, we welcome guest Amy Bernyard, who will talk to us about her work with Easter Seals and founding her own nonprofit and small business. We'll explore how fundraising and finances can both be an asset and hindrance for digital transformation with nonprofits. I'm your host, Andy Vanderland. Hi, Amy. <laughs> Thanks hey. for joining us on the Something Forum. This is our second part of our four-part combo. And we are focusing on our quote-unquote pop quiz. It's not really a pop. We talked about it a little bit before. In the first episode, um, we got to know you a little bit, talk about driving internationally. Um, and we might add some of our break conversation because that was really good <laughs> to that episode. Um, so the pop quiz is we're interested in your thoughts on a specific topic or topics that are important to you. I'm going to start off with a really easy one, <laughs> which is how do you think we can develop the next truly great thing um, in our industry, nonprofits, digital, like what, what's out there? What aren't we seeing and how do we get there? Yeah, that's a great question. I think that honestly, I think that we tend to look at each other a lot and mm -hmm. not necessarily, you know, at the market as a whole. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's easy to look at a lot of mirrors and say, you know, this is, this is probably the next thing we need to do. You look at a big behemoth like St. Jude, who's doing really cool stuff. You're, you know, you know, feeding America, or, you know, wherever and say, oh, wow. Yeah. Let's try that, what they're doing. But I think really we could learn a lot from uh, looking at startups mm -hmm. in for-profit industry and, you know, partnering with them more and really, understanding you know what's happening in the education space and what are you know some of these grad students putting together and thinking of I mean there's just so many new exciting things happening that is outside of nonprofit that can absolutely be applicable and translated into a nonprofit world without this massive price tag I think that's always the fears we can't yeah. afford that which a lot of times is maybe the case, but is there another way we can take that concept or we can think about it or we can partner to make that affordable, to make that reasonable and implement it within our own space? So I think uh, just looking beyond is always a good idea. Uh, man, I love that. I have similar thoughts. I one, There was a conversation I was having with someone within Echo and they're like, how can we bring you know for-profit or the private sector work into and the learnings uh, like startups and the tech industry to nonprofits. And I think that's true. I think that's likely where we're at now is like taking that learning and those and finding partnerships and mushing them and figuring out how to bring in things that are very well funded into a nonprofit, which has a different type of funding model. My vision for the future <laughs> is that at some point we can get nonprofits to be the innovators and push back toward the private sector and say, like, look at all of the great stuff we're doing. How can that be applied? And I think we see it a little bit with like the B Corp certification and that's that space, social responsibility, which is a little bit of like whitewashing, I think. Um, but, you know, like we're seeing some of it, but I'm really excited about 
combining those and making it a more um, closely knit relationship to see where learnings come from. So, yeah, I agree. Sounds cool. <laughs> Future is beautiful. So maybe if we do something about climate change. <laughs> um, what are the biggest challenges like yours nonprofits are facing that we haven't maybe already touched on? We've talked a little bit about innovation and finances. Yeah, I think I think it is honestly. It is okay. so much the finances. It is it is tough when you are constantly fighting for your next dollar and mm-hmm. so many nonprofits are in that space. Yeah. Um, you know, I've seen you know, within one nonprofit year after year some years are good, some years are bad. So even if you have a strong nonprofit, it still every year feels like a struggle or mm-hmm. you don't know what the next year is going to bring. And I think that's that's really tough, especially right now because we had such a lift across the board with nonprofits for the past two years from the COVID bump. And now it's starting to normalize again. And everyone's thinking, is this recession or is this, you know, mm-hmm. just going back to the way it was before? And 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 because of the way that we typically forecast being year over year it's looking like a massive loss i mean we i don't mm. think i don't know if, if this occurred with a lot of nonprofits not not any that i worked with or communicated with but you know we saw in the tech industry they they leveled up with their staffing thinking okay this is the new normal and this is the growth and now they're having to scale back yeah. and so i think nonprofits are a little bit more conservative in that since they didn't just you know bulk up their their programs and their staffing because they were getting that, you know, increase in funding. They knew that one day this is probably not going to mm-hmm. be the same. And they, they have that learning because that's how they always yeah. are working, but it also can really hamstring us when we talk about these massive digital innovation projects. I mean, the one that we're going doing for Easter seals right now is, you know, the last time they went through something like this was 20 years ago and that's just yeah. too long. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we want these pro- these projects to be long term, but 20 years is quite quite overdue for something. You know, you you kind of want to get it closer like that 10 year mark I would think yeah. to yeah. really consider how um you know how the market has changed, how just, you know, everything has changed so that you can really adapt well. So I think funding is is a struggle and, you know, there's just really hasn't changed, I feel like, too much in trying to help nonprofits in that mm. sense. You said digital um, innovation. We often use the digital transformation. Is there a difference, just internally, is there a difference to you between digital transformation and digital innovation projects? I'm not going to lie to you, Andy. I'm not very good at words. I don't... <laughs> I think you're great at saying you're doing phenomenally. <laughs> I, I don't really get that deep into words, okay. but okay. I, I would say that maybe, you know, I guess transformation to me is is really looking at the broadest scale of things. And mm-hmm. innovation can be smaller pieces in my mind. It could be little incremental chunks. You don't and that, and then honestly both approaches are totally fine. I think it just depends on what your organization needs at that time. Yeah. Um at Upsmile, I'd say that we took more of a incremental innovation approach mm-hmm. and we really looked at things in smaller pieces and did it over a period of time where we're uh, Easter Seals right now, I think really is truly going up through a digital transformation process where it is impacting so many aspects of mm-hmm. the organization. How would you define digital innovation? Um, I would say that it's really, it's doing something different. I mean, it's really thinking about it beyond the norm and Mm -hmm. 
looking at data to drive that decision. Um, that's always really important. And um, just really taking a little bit of a risk and maybe not always knowing exactly the outcome. It's got to have a little bit of that into it. Um, but it's not picking up and placing or just continuing to improve what you're doing. You're, it's got to be different. Yeah, I think that risk piece, kind of going back to what we were talking about last episode, seems right to me for innovation. Like there is risk in innovation. Transformation feels less risky, but I'm just making stuff up. This isn't based on the dictionary. <laughs> we didn't Google we didn't Google anything ahead of time, did we? <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> we'll put it in the show notes. Google says digital transformation <laughs> is this. <laughs> we're both gonna be off. Yeah, so. we're totally wrong. <laughs> we'll cut this part if that's true. <laughs> How do you know if like your digital innovation or transformation, whichever one you choose to talk about is successful or is not successful? Yeah. Again, I think it goes back to, you know, your goals in the beginning. So is there a return or is there learnings? What are you trying to get out of it? Um, I think that is honestly sometimes the miss in a lot of like AB testing and optimi optimization strategies is mm -hmm. you know you want something to change, but you don't define enough what that outcome mm. should be. Yeah. And you really got to know, like, what is the goal of this? Was it to actually move the needle or was it to learn something or was it just to understand how the behavior is going to happen? And, and all those are okay goals. It doesn't always have to be an increase in conversions. Mm -hmm. That doesn't always have to be your numeric goal. Yeah. It could it could be behavior change. It could be not no change. You know, like yeah. we want to make sure this doesn't impact anything. Um, and but you have to be super clear about that in the beginning. And if you can answer that question, you succeeded. Great. That's very easy to understand. That was great. <laughs> assumptions people have about your role and or digital transformation and or innovation that you would like to dispel take this moment to get on your soapbox and say this is the thing or not the thing <laughs> um I, don't know, I used to have to explain to people that I don't code. <laughs> I feel like I don't have to do that anymore. Thank goodness. Great. I mean, I, I dabbled earlier in my career, but I do not. I'm not the one sitting behind the computer and coding a website. And um, we have really great, brilliant people that help do that. But um, no, I think it's it, it's beyond just uh, putting up a website. I think a lot of people see you know, digital or the idea of the space that we work in um, as like a database and a website. And that's, that's kind of limited to what, you know, our purview should be. And I don't think that, I don't agree with that. It, it goes well beyond that. Um, and there's a lot that even those two aspects though touch and need to be a part of. So it's really communicating what the data piece of it and that, that's not just a database, but it, the data itself mm -hmm. comes from something and it tells us something. And if you want to be informed correctly, we need to be informed into what, you know, is happening within the organization to make sure that that is supporting it. Yeah. Um, and the website similarly, like it is, it's just a tool to communicate. And so um, while we might not be the ones creating the content for it, that platform itself, the structural piece of it, 
is very, very important to making sure that you're communicating correctly. And I think yeah. that's, um, that's something that's, I think people are getting more and more because everyone's becoming more technically savvy. Yeah. But, um, you know, I think it's just, again, breaking the silos a little bit. Are there any buzzy digital things that come up right now in your conversations? I feel like, you know, maybe three years ago or so, we heard a lot of, I mean, we probably still hear a lot about it, but data warehouses. And before that, yeah. everything needed its own app. Yeah. <laughs> yes, a lot of apps and a lot of, um, the, the word that used to trigger me a little bit was uh, make it interactive. Um, <laughs> I still don't know what that means. <laughs> like, I, I mean, I, I really, it was an interactive website. Um, I don't know. So yeah, I think, I think those things have, I haven't heard them at least at Easter Seals. I think it's more like, can we just successfully, you know, communicate our mission, which is what the website should be doing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I haven't come up with, I haven't heard too many apps or in a, you know, interactive <laughs> comments lately, but that used to be, that used to be the thing all the time. You're totally correct. <laughs> Do you have any like big tips or like a best tip for someone listening who's maybe in your similar position at an organization for starting these conversations, breaking down silos, bringing people on board for digital innovation work? Yeah, I think it is just asking questions and really figuring out other people's work as well and and then helping put the pieces together for how that works with your work. So, I mean, you really do need to know what other people are doing mm -hmm. and understand a lot of their frustrations and challenges so you can start having those conversations um, because it is always about what it says in it for me. Like it's not, you know, it's not here, this is a great thing, you should have it, you need it, and I'm gonna give it to you when no one's asking for it or <laughs> understands why they yeah. need it. They have to need it first. So I think um, it, it is, patience and mm. knowing that you know I mean I know because I worked with Kendra before that you know day one I came on Easter Seal she's like all right I need you to build an intranet I need you to get on this next gen <laughs> project and get a new website I need you to you know do this uh, things I had done before and yeah. she knew I could but the reality is I did that with like years of pre-planning and right. relationship building and understanding of the needs of the organization, the people within the organization and where they sat and, and in that bigger project. I mean, it's not something that you jump in and you just go, here's the plan, mm -hmm. we just follow through. It's it's a lot of front end work, so there's a lot of patience required in that. Is patience something that you have innately, or is it a skill you've been developing? Oh, I have absolutely no patience. <laughs> I, am, I was just like, oh gosh, how did she do it? <laughs> no, I am terrible. I am terrible. So I think that's also, again, a little bit my superpower, though, because I have no patience, but I know it's required <laughs> for it. I end up communicating the timeline that's realistic and then forcing myself to do things a little bit faster oh, <laughs> because good, okay. I can't sit around too long. <laughs> yeah. I'm with you. I'm like, okay, let's just like, let's just do it. Just let's just do it and see how it goes. But people are like, yeah, nope. Andy, people need to be brought along. I'm like, okay, right. Bye. Oh yeah. And thank God for those <laughs> colleagues. Honestly, I have a great team and there's a few of them on the team that are so good at that for me. They yeah. say, Hey, 
pause. Let's think about who else needs to be in this conversation. Mm -hmm. Let's think about some other steps before the step you just mentioned. Like maybe, maybe that we do kind of slow down just a little bit and don't just throw it out there. Yeah. You need that balance. You have to have those people. Those Mm -hmm. people are great. I agree. For traveling too. Throw it back to last episode. does not working in an office because you said you were really close at operation smile to your office so you had you could see people face to face um now we have covid and you're like uh easter seals main headquarters is in chicago right and you're not you're on the east coast with me mm-hmm. um how's that change your relationship building um you know it has it hasn't hasn't because we've always had a lot of remote employees everywhere i've worked um, I am probably the less than 1% of the country that, or world maybe, that prefers to be in the office. Like if I had the option for five days a week in the office, that's where I would be. I actually don't even work from home. I come to our medical practice that <laughs> we own say, yeah. just to get out of the house. Like <laughs> I really do not want to work in my home at all. Um, but you know, there, the, you just got to learn how to to work remote which sometimes can happen very similar to when you're in the office the thing i love about being in the office is overhearing those water cooler conversations yeah. or stopping by a desk and getting an answer right away and brainstorming with people yeah. like off the cuff yeah. you get so much good you know good information and really good work done that way mm-hmm. i truly believe that but now i have to do it through teams a little bit more planned or maybe um through chat instead yeah. of, you know, and sitting next to someone's desk. But I do try to get to the office as often as I can, you know, probably, you know, four to five times a year, I'll, I'll go to Chicago and make sure that there's that interaction. Yeah. And I'm also fortunate enough to work with a lot, uh, quite a few people that I've worked with before. So I've already built those relationships yeah. and okay. know that I can reach out to them anytime. And, um, and that's really, I mean, that's given me a huge leg up. Yeah. Definitely. I miss some aspects of being in the office and it's exactly that the like water cooler. I worked at an ad agency, so our water cooler was filled with beer, but, (laughs) (laughs) um, you know, sitting around just talking and having relationships so that when I need to be like, we have a deadline tomorrow, we got a lot to get done. People were okay with it. Like they didn't love it, but we could come together we had those relationships to get stuff done and it's so important for the brainstorming like i zoom's fine miro's great very helpful tools it's not the same as writing stuff down and sticking out and putting it on the board together um so i miss those pieces especially for brainstorming and relationships and camaraderie (laughs) so i pre earlier in our pre-call i asked you to think about your virtual meeting pet peeve I'm wondering what you came up with. Um, so a part of it, it can be fixed and part of it can't, but, or at least not, not the way that things are set up right now, but I really feel like if you are on the same, you know, platform, like if you're on the same, um, not platform because it's outline, but if you're in the same organization, you can see my calendar. Mm-hmm. I want you to, to schedule time. I really don't enjoy when people email me who can see my calendar. What time would you like to meet? Like, <laughs> yeah. 
you know you know what time i can meet yeah you can see my calendar yeah um i mean and but where it really gets annoying is you know when you have to do that with external people who can't see your calendar Mm -hmm. and it's like three different you know three different or four different people you have to coordinate between and say all right when are you available let me send seven emails (laughs) yeah to try to get one time out i'm like why can't we fix this why can't we have a more transparent here's my calendar system someone has to fix that i mean it's just that is absolutely the most annoying thing is wasting time finding time (laughs) yeah so true there's definitely those passive aggressive emails internally that are like my (laughs) calendar is up to date (laughs) oh that's me yeah i don't mean to be passive aggressive about it but yeah i know i'm like find time yeah i send those i'm like it's right there guys it's right there i mean we're so transparent at easter seals you can even see the names of our meetings so like i know what kind of meeting you're going to be in and and if if i can double book it or not you know like i i can help make that decision for you i feel (laughs) confident in that yep ours too i think google i don't know maybe calendar some place in google you can like do slots and send out slots to people and they can select it so like maybe we can do that amy for the future we'll be like look amy here's my calendar yeah we'll give it a whirl let's try it (laughs) thank you for listening to this episode of the something forum tune in next week as we continue our series with guest amy bernyard I'm your host, Andy Vanderland. Alyssa Huntley is our editor. The music you hear in this episode is Something About Something by Sarah, the instrumentalist. This podcast is produced by Echo & Co., a digital agency sending creativity on a mission. 